Texas, like tiny little bits of metal from a billionaire's submersible. All around my ivy-covered castle, the humidity is laying upon us like a shaggy dog who doesn't realize his own huge size. It's hot, and I sound somber now. I was a little... We'll talk more about submarines later, but I'm really not that. I'm actually in a pretty good mood. I'm really excited to be here recording episode 173 of One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular, something that I really have come to look forward to every week. It's pretty important for my sanity, as so many of you know, to do this, to be here with you, and to be here with the pride of Tarzana, California. He's bringing a known quantity to a known location for an unknown reason. Although, you really do know the reason, don't you? He's Matthew Rampy. Shafey on the microphone with Matthew, me. All the people in the cast will agree that we're well qualified to represent the podcasting. Me and Shafey download the podcast. Get with the rhythm, it gets hotter. I'm in the place to be on Shafi Seti Summer Series. I'm thinking about my battle raps. What? Since we talked about it in that last episode. I'm working on my battle raps. So I should have been on the ball. I should have been hyping you up a little bit there. Giving a little little shout out to Sublime with the uh, (laughs) the parody today. Um, Man, it feels like we're podcasting right away now. It used to be that when we would sit down to do the podcast, it would like take a minute. Yeah. Before I felt like we were podcasting. Now, honestly, now, like whenever you arrive on my patio or I come through the the peacock stained glass door, your front door there, um, it feels like we're podcasting right away. I'm almost I should have the voice recorder already recording it on my phone as I come to the door. And then it's like today it took me 25 minutes to unpack two backpacks and a cooler and get a podcast set up. But here we are. We're doing it. Did you see that email from that guy trying to sell us something? He uh, commented on, he just thought it was really cool when we took the podcast on the road. Somebody was trying to sell us something. Yeah. I don't know. Some search and it's, Search optimization or something. This was like... This but was, he definitely this had is, listened to at least one episode. Wait, this is feedback at One Magical Hour? Uh, this is... I guess he he found my... I guess I guess it went to my email address. I did not see that. Uh, Are you sure we don't need search engine optimization? No, I'm not sure at all. We probably, we probably very much do, in fact. You know, when people try to sell me something, you know what my immediate response is? No, thank you. Yeah. I don't need that. I don't like to be sold anything and I don't like to sell anything, but I've come to realize that I'm never going to get anywhere in life if I don't sell anything, if I don't sell myself, if I don't sell the podcast, if I don't sell site furnishings, you know, I got to do a little bit of selling. And conversely, it seems that it's possible that maybe there are things out there that people are trying to sell me that I need after all, you know, like search engine optimization. Oh, here you are. Yeah, it went to my email address, but he rest, he he uh, addressed it to Matthew. What? 
Uh, hey, Matthew, just left you a five-star review because the brand new switcheroo was incredible. I really enjoyed the episode of One Magical Hour. You did an amazing job of taking the recording on the road and providing us with a contemporary classic of American podcasting. You heard it here, folks. A contemporary classic of American podcasting. Okay. It's it's interesting that you bring this up because for the first time in a long time, I was looking at Apple Podcasts and see the full show. And if you go down here, there's the reviews. When did that email come in? Oh, like, I'm sorry. Who's that from? Who's that? Omar. From Omar. Omar Mo, June 20th, 2023 at 8.41 a.m. I wonder where that review was left because it's not on Apple Podcasts. Omar, if you're listening, maybe we do need SEO optimization. And I'm not the last review we have on Apple Podcasts is from. Well, maybe he just dropped the stars, huh? He just threw the stars at us, but is not. Is that something that can happen? You can just do the stars? I think you can just drop, sure. drop a star okay. rating. Sure. Great. Stars, Matthew, are Apple's version of avocados. Should I hit the five stars right now on my phone? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Should. I never I've never done that. Oh, rating added. Thank you. Okay, I guess you can. If you don't have to write if you're it. You're out there listening to this and you haven't hit that five you star button. Just, we have four point nine stars. Which seems pretty good for all right. for this caliber of podcast. All right. Another interesting thing about that is that I was going to ask for some more reviews um, here I, on Apple Podcasts. Our, our reviews are a little stale. The last one was from September of 22. Oh, that was a long time ago, folks. So if you're listening, if maybe you've started listening since September of 22 and 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 you, you've got some free time. Yeah, right. In America, come on. Uh, <laughs> not until <laughs> write the singularity, review. folks. Not until, not until 2030. Here's what you do. You you do you do a chat GPT prompt to have the AI write some reviews for us. There you go. Or wait, could I do that? <laughs> okay. Mm, I finally found a use for AI. <laughs> I I see on the Twitter feed uh, that there's all of these like I'm going to teach you how to use AI. Seven best money making operations with AI thread. You know and like. I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really add any value to the world, the things that they're prompting you to do on those sorts of things. So I'm a little concerned about AI. They were talking about the international legislative guardrails today, uh, you know, <laughs> Schaefer shakes his head and rolls his eyes hard. The only Go reason on. the only reason why people would be legislating AI would be to try to prevent it from helping poor people not be in poverty anymore. Is that right? You right? don't you don't think they care about hands the off, of hands off AI, you rich white dudes. Just don't don't F with it. This isn't about you. Okay. I, I turn to you because you're a techno optimist. <laughs> I am, and and I'm. And I think like the biggest the biggest danger as the singularity approaches is people trying to just stuff it down because it might erode their power just a little bit. And the point is, like, it's not. If you are power hungry, you will still be able to find ways to be a powerful person, especially in your own little bailiwick. Don't. Uh, don't see, okay, know, but ostensibly they're saying he who stands against this will be first the first to fall. But ostensibly they're they're saying they don't want any bad actors using AI. Yeah, it, that's that never that's not how legislation ends up working. All that you know, you put up those roadblocks, and then the then the rich people with their batteries of lawyers use those roadblocks against the very people that they're supposed to help. Okay. Just stay out of it. Okay, you heard it here first. <laughs> What's the segment? <laughs> like they're yeah, they're gonna they're, Congress like oh, Schaefer told me not to f with this, so uh, you know what, guys, let's just not uh, let's not regulate this one. Um, yeah, trust me, 
You if heard I it thought, here first, folks. If I thought regulation would help, but I mean, I'm sorry, the U.S. The U.S. Senate and House of Representatives has not done anything helpful in years. Okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I am not a libert—I am not a libertarian, guys. I. I just I, I think that you know these. People who don't understand it should not get involved. You know. Was that a libertarian thing? I don't know. Maybe I feel like maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. Or it could be at least be interpreted that way. Like if okay, put it this way: if you are actually willing to learn about it and to regulate it and help administer it in a healthy way that would be good for everyone, then yes. But if you're just doing something because somebody who donated you a lot of money asked you to do it, don't don't do that. Stay out of it. Unless you're willing to do the homework, figure things out, and do what's best for everyone. Do what's best for the people. Do what's best for the emerging intelligence that's coming. Uh, this this nascent this nascent thing that's growing. It's wonderful. I, I think we're probably on the same page in terms of legislating anything about it. I will say the thing that gives me pause and makes me think that something should be done is the creators of the thing saying maybe we should uh <laughs> maybe we should do something to try to rein this in right now mm-hmm. uh it's it's not just it's not just people from the outside of the thing it's it's those who set it in motion are also sort of calling for hey we better figure out kind of how to um to to regulate it right see i think those people might just be seeing how quickly the their ability to monetize it is getting out of their hands. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm sure they're playing on people's fears. They're certainly playing on my fears of, you know, the robot apocalypse. And you're absolutely right. There's there's so many people out there who could use chat GPT in very nefarious ways. And they should... They're going to be out there, folks. They're going to do that. And it's, you know, there's going to be a few years of Wild Westness, but... The whole point of all this is that it's going to, and then there's the it's ask- going to figure itself out better than any human, any one human can figure it out. Okay, yeah. What you think we could figure it out here on the podcast? We <laughs> we certainly we certainly nothing will stop us from trying, Matthew. I assure you of that. <laughs> I guess another aspect about it, while we're harping on this subject, is. There's the shakeup in like people's livelihoods that's going to happen, right? There's all the things that the the AI can do that maybe people did before, and and that they took their jobs. There's going to be a shakeup in the economy and in the workforce and in and in certain career paths. That that seems a clear and present danger. Or I don't know of a danger, but like a like a there's a reality. It seems to me. Yeah. Um, and but surely, just like other technologies in the past, it creates different opportunities for people, right? You know. Okay. Even just like pure, pure rich person thought. Okay. Yes, you're right, Matthew. Maybe, uh, maybe automating every industry is going to drive. You know, it's going to put a lot of people without jobs. But those very industries, you know, if you automate the television factory, you still need somebody to buy those TVs. You know, there still needs to be money flowing around the world just for those rich people to get it, you know? Right. So it's in their best interest to, you know, to make sure that everybody is everybody's well taken care of to keep their keep their system running so they can rise to the top of that system if that's where they feel like they need to be. Okay. You seem like a techno optimist, but generally a cynic. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> but a, more generally I'm quite more cynical. optimist about technology than I am about the average human human yeah, than like being uh, dependent on to do the legislation. Right <laughs> Whether or not there's gonna be any and listen, sort of guys, I'm not quality I'm not regulation. About it. I don't always do the right thing. Certainly what? You guys certainly know that. <laughs> but 
I try to. I try to think about what the right thing is to do and try to do it. Uh, yeah, don't always succeed. But how does that relate to the podcast? It uh, it keeps. I think it probably keeps the podcast interesting and fun, particularly when I fail. <laughs> There's. Speaking of speaking of rich people making bad decisions, yeah, something crazy has happened. It's one of my favorite topics. I'm sorry, just something very wild is actually you know that might be crazy in the sense of consciously making making a I don't know. It, that I don't try try not to use the word crazy because there are actually people out there who have mental illnesses, and you know you don't want to equate them to just people making bonehead decisions. But sure, I feel like some decisions, like putting yourself in a unit that's basically like a slightly larger hot water tank. And sending yourself four thousand feet under the water, like, I don't know. Some of these qualify as, you know, a certain level of insanity to me. And I trust me, I'm a thrill seeker. I know I get it. And you, okay, so you do get it. I think it would be awesome to go down there and take a look at the Titanic. Uh, but okay, <laughs> what's happened, folks? In case you have spent the last week under a rock, this is something that occurred. I think everybody. Before, you know, in the time between these two podcasts, less than a week, uh, we have heard the story, of course, of these, what, five, six people who got headed down and it's in a technologically complicated submersible to go down and take a look at the Titanic. It was like a tourist submarine, right? Yeah. But, yeah, but, like, so... <laughs> I so this story caught me immediately. I, as we come on air today, we are just finding out about the fate I, of these adventurers. I, when Chafee's rattled. When my brother texted me about this, I was immediately terrified. I was like, "That well, is the scariest thing I've ever." The heard reason in my this life. story got so big so fast, we are just talking about six humans here in danger. I guarantee. There are larger groups of humans in imminent danger all over the planet right now that we're not thinking about. So let's take let's think about them for a minute. But there are there were these six humans that they were going down. Let's have a look at the Titanic. Which a- after we're done talking about this, can we talk about the obsession with the Titanic and what that's all about? Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe you have no. But they, uh, I, I totally lost my train of thought right here on the podcast. Save me. What was I talking about? Five or six billionaires. There was the one, the one kid's oh, son. Oh, we just found out about the, the just today, early, a few hours earlier, it was it announced the fate that they met. They found some debris not far from the Titanic wreckage yeah. that indicates that oh, there was. Oh, I know where I was going, is that this story got so big because it plays on so many fears. Yeah. Yeah. Like the news is about making you afraid. Listen, the next time you watch the news, do this. Watch each story and ask yourself, how is this trying to make me afraid? And how is this trying to make me buy something? <laughs> yeah. And it's gonna help you get the news right into perspective. How often how often are you like, oh, this story was meant to make me feel good? But this story plays on so many fears. It's 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 thrilling. It's it's rich people, people love that. It's the Titanic. People love that. They just came out with that 3D model a few weeks ago. Did you see that thing? I did not, know, But I'm, I'm excited about it. And then uh, it has confined spaces. Which I'm pretty sure claustrophobia is like right at the top. This it? is, gosh, this is the worst. Yeah. Do you like confined spaces? Oh, man. No. When I'm no. here with uh, the two backpacks and the cooler, does it make your... Does it make your casa seem a little smaller? Feels a little more confined. <laughs> no, I love cozy spaces. Oh, okay. Well, that this my ivy covered castle is very the, cozy. The pictures on the interwebs about this submersible—it seems right cozy. No, there's a difference. No, between claustrophobic 
and cozy in my okay. view. Okay. Maybe I haven't looked at really the size of it. I've seen I've seen a picture that made it seem like yeah, it was like the size of uh, a hot water heater crammed in like sardines. An old style tank, not tankless, tank full of hot water heater. But then I saw another picture that made it look a little bigger, and I was like, yeah, I could be down there with some of my buddies. Did these guys were these guys pals? These guys know each other. I, I mean, I think they did. On some level, either I'm sorry, I don't know the whole. Yeah, I don't know the whole story, but I think I think the people who would do it, you know, because it's not like nobody knew that this was a very dangerous thing to do. There was I saw a quote in the New York Times from somebody who they referred to as a German, a German adventurer. <laughs> like, a German oh, adventurer. Like, oh, I'm just going to call my German adventurer friend. Get his take on I, this. I like a German adventurer. He, uh, a Texas he, German adventurer. He said this this guy, this German advent, presumably thrill seeker, ad- adventurous man, he had been on it the year before. Oh. And he said, no, never again would I go down there. That was terrifying. He said that that was sketchy. You know, it wasn't oh, like. It was sketch. Everybody. There were reports of safety issues. Everybody, you know, well, it's just, it's, it's a technological feat. You know, just to get down there, the pressures. I, you know, I should have, I should have pulled up some, some metaphors or whatever or analogies for how much pressure is involved when you get down there. But it's staggering. Four thousand feet of water. The pressure is just, you know, just all of, all of that water pushing on you, and the the air vacuum. Is is pushing the 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 air bubble that is the submarine is pushing against all of that water that wants to crash in on itself, mm. and that pressure is just it's unreal. Uh, they said so. I was reading one thing that said basically as soon as as soon as there was any any uh, problem with that structure, as soon as there were any any issue, anything went wrong with the careful geometry of that structure of that cylinder, mm-hmm. that just just it would instantly, instantly crush. And they, the it, they yeah, they said that the the Implode. impact of that implosion of all of that water crashing in on itself would be, it would register on Richter scales, hundreds of hundreds of miles away. Wow. Like this would cause this shock, this vibration. Which that there and therein I think is the silver lining for those people who were down there. This because so my my first concern when I first imagined this, I said, "Oh no, the submarine got tangled up in like some rigging on the on the Titanic or something, mm. and they're all still alive, but they they can't move and they can't." contact anyone or that's terrifying you know maybe the electricity went out or something uh-huh. and they're just kind of floating through in the dark not knowing what's happening that's that to me is the worst this is what i thought of immediately and that to me is the worst terrifying especially i don't know i think it'd be worse if you were with other people too than if you were by yourself i don't know so you could share the terror yes yeah the terror would i think would compact on its compound on itself i don't know oh jeez but but 80 hours you would have to think about this. However, the way, the way it did work out with the structure of the thing failing, they said that they wouldn't have even known that there was a problem before they were just instantly crushed, crushed into tiny, and just not just crushed, but I, I don't think that there was anything biological left. It was a for, quick death. Yes. So. Yeah. Here's to that. Here's to to those adventurers. I was having dreams about these guys. Is that right? You you were dreaming about it? I was just, you know, I was checking Twitter and everything every hour or two. And honestly, I'm, I'm glad that of all the scenarios that would have eventually leaded to their deaths, it was this particular one. I was sort of hoping that it was Orcas. (laughs) <laughs> just sort of pushing the sub back down. It needed it needed to come up, you know? And the orcas were just shoving it back down. <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard about the coordinated attacks of orcas in the 
I saw North it. Atlantic. I, somebody mentioned that. I think I heard I, Luke, I have a, Luke Burbank mention that. I, I have a conspiracy theory, and you heard it here first, folks. Um, um, so the singularity happens, and at the same time, whales get they go to the next level in in thought and coordination and they're tired of human crap you know what i'm saying i'm not you know there's since there's no way for us to really communicate with any animal i don't, I don't think we'll know for a while who's I, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that like collectively ants are smarter than us you know like the way they coordinate everything yeah. or honeybees or something yeah. i there's no way to understand relatively relative intelligence you know but don't you think the cephalopods are going to be the next I mean, they do have humongous brains. I, I think the cephalopods are going to be the ones that actually achieve, like, interstellar travel. With the giant squid, they After say that we're done, giant squids may be able to communicate telepathically. The octopi and the squid are going to take over, and they'll be the ones to actually, like, make it to the next planet. That's what I think. You heard it here first, folks. Matthew with the call of Cthulhu. Oh, jeez, what I do here? Oh, no. I'm and, no, listeners, no. I'm sorry that I don't I don't feel like I have a more interesting take on the submarine. I'm just still like kind of getting over it. Okay, can I do my take on the submarine? Sure. Um, I always feel like in the news there are these stories that keep our mind off of more pressing things. And this was a great one. This was a great one to just take everybody's attention away from something. There was probably some really shady shit going on in the world this week. That we, well, met, that we miss. Yeah, I know, but we miss every hour of every there's, day. Any time that there's a story that seems a little too, not that I'm not concerned about these people and their and their families. My heart goes out to them. I, I really, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be inhumane and callous right here on my podcast, but I, I do think that I don't know. The media does this thing where they're they're looking for something. There's lots of stories out there that won't make you afraid and that maybe we should pay attention to, but um, this one's got so much fear involved that it was just caught fire. And, you know, on to the next tragedy. And by Titanic. I mean the next episode. Oh, yeah. So, hey, Shafee, <laughs> this is a Matthew, have you ever wondered? Shafee, I'm currently wondering. Why are people so friggin' obsessed with the Titanic and I the think... wreck of the Titanic? The the sea floor is littered with other wrecks. Yeah. And I know there's the whole hubris of the unsinkable ship and there's yada that. yada. Yeah, that, that's and, part and, of what yeah, I guess Leo story. DiCaprio and James Cameron could continue focusing light on it. And I get the Titanic is another big story where a now, did, now, let me ask you this. I'm not exactly, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the Titanic. I, I'm a landlubber, as it were. I, you're not going to catch me in any kind of submersible. I don't care what size it is. I don't care if it's cozy or cramped. I ain't going down there. But um, maybe I'm not an adventurer. Maybe I'm not a German adventurer. Uh, That's something that you didn't ask me is now what I, it would have to be, I would have to do a lot of homework before I got into a deep sea submersible. But I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it. I just probably wouldn't do it from a private company. I want to be in James Cameron's Cadillac of deep sea submersibles, not this. Well, hey, I might go in a sub that's just like checking out the Bimini Road or yeah, something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. But I don't, want to be, I don't want to be in the North Atlantic. You're not going to find your way to Mariana? The Mariana's Trench? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I also just think there's probably like more, but the Titanic is a thing where a bunch of rich people died, right? Yeah. Or, but is this, is the story that a lot of the rich people survived and that the poor people? Oh, there's all sorts of stories. Yeah. There's definitely some stories of some, some rich men at their worst, like throwing women and children aside while they jump on the lifeboats and things like that. But there's also other stories of, of people doing amazing things, people saving people. There's, I love the the orchestra playing on. Uh, that was a real thing. That that wasn't just something that 
James Cameron made up. Okay. Apparently the orchestra did just decide to play it, play its way down. The whole thing took a long time. Uh, Sometimes these days, you know, post singularity, it's hard to tell what James Cameron made up and what's reality. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just saying facts about the Titanic and I am no, by no means a scholar. You're not a Titanic scholar. Uh, I just said it took a long time. I think actually by shipwreck standards, it was a fairly quick one. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, just in our minds, you know, the ship sinks. It's a matter of minutes. It's definitely not. It was, it, it was, it was a long, it was, it was. Yeah. I like the mountains. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's more my climate. But back to your question of why there is, you know, the distance on which from people fall, the higher, the higher the person is, if they're successful and they're rich, the farther they fall. That's, that's something that appeals to people who love drama. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah, like you said, so many different stories. There was the hubris saying that this is unsinkable. There were all the people who showed their worst. There were all the people who showed their best. Uh, there were, you know, there were quite a few survivors. So I think that that probably helps, uh, you know. Uh, and then there was the eye fact that it was... Eyewitness accounts. The fact that it disappeared, you know, they couldn't get down there uh, until James Cameron came along. It was a very interesting... Uh, did James but, Cameron find the Titanic? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's also something about kind of it being like a, a metaphor. Some people take it, I think, as a metaphor for all of modernity and industrialization and okay. sort of the... Okay. the well, in that light, post, I'm down. Post-history, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, when you put it that way... I love it. Uh, and archaeologists love it. Uh, I remember at the... Dad will have to get at me about this. At the Texas Archaeological Society, they would have a field school every year where basically, you know, every archaeologist in Texas meets at one dig and they do a... Wow. They do a dig together. It was pretty cool. Um, it was in a place called Roe Valley when I was a kid. And I, they, they did all sorts of neat stuff for, for kids. I remember building my own atlatl. Oh, yeah. And, uh, fun stuff like that. And also, you know, we got to, we got to actively do archaeology, um, dig stuff up and put it through the screens and all, all sorts of stuff. It was a really cool thing. Atlatl is a highly underrated weapon. And I kind of in the evening, there was always a big kind of get together, you know, where somebody might say a few words about what had gone on during the day. And it always closed with them singing this song about the Titanic. And the chorus went, oh, it was sad. Oh, it was sad. Oh, it was sad when that great ship went down. Uh, and I remember, like, everybody knew this song. And uh, it was kind of the unofficial theme song of the Texas Archaeological Society. I would be, I'd be very curious, uh, Pops, to hear more about this. Uh, how that song came to represent the TAS and uh, and what all went on there. Oh, I'm not. I'm, so they had a they had a, a Titanic with the Titanic, Titanic fetish as well. Ah. Okay. Well, maybe I'm maybe I'm downplaying the importance of having a Titanic fetish. Speaking of fetishes, Matthew, I have a Titanic fetish for podcasting. <laughs> Did you notice that in our latest? Uh, missive from Mr. Nicholas. Uh, he mentions Bartleby the Scrivener. I think he said something to the effect of of Bartleby the Scrivener well, being... Wait, hold on. Hold on. This is a new segment. <laughs> something to the effect of Bartleby the Scrivener being the funniest book ever written or something like that. Uh, very... Uh, very interesting thing. Do you know who else? Maybe he's talked about it on here. Do you know who else has a, an obsession with Bartleby the Scrivener? I do not know. Alex Battles. Alex Battles has this, compl this complicated theory about Bartleby the Scrivener that if you have half an hour or so, he will explain to you. And 
I can never remember. Uh, I'm going to email. It's just so weird that I know these two lovable, okay, so wait, eccentric wait, wait. individuals. There's a lot going on here. Who are both obsessed with Bartleby the Scrivener. <laughs> now, I, I've read Moby Dick. Yeah. It's been a long time. I'd like to reread it, especially prompted by Nicholas here. I've never read Bartleby the Scrivener. Have you? I have not, no. Okay. I, 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 I feel was like going to get a synopsis if mm. not. Mo- Moby Dick should. is my all-time favorite book. I love, I love Moby Dick. Moby Dick. I, I read it in 11th grade, so it's only been 50 years since I read it. <laughs> but I love it. I, I The number eight, because the infinity signal is tattooed on the back of Queequeg's hand. Like, there's a bunch of things from Moby Dick that I've thought about all, over all the years. Nicholas gave us a, like a... Like an image, an image of a whole passage here for Moby Dick. Um, should we read this passage? Sure. <clears throat> I, I do. I, I got it. You got to get us back to. I've written it here. It's funny. We're talking about another thing. We're talking about <laughs> Nicholas and Alex Battles. Yeah. And I, I have I want to come back to that, but just real quick because this is an arts and entertainment podcast where we purport to focus on literature and art. I'll tell you what, listeners. I'm going to I'm going to introduce Nicholas and Alex to each other over email. I'm going to try to get Alex's theory in a nutshell. See what else they have to say about it, and we'll return to this Bartleby the Scrivener uh, issue maybe with I, guests. I, I'm, Alex says Bartleby the Scrivener, the funniest book I've ever read. That's Nicholas. N- Nicholas, yes. Yeah. Let me let me just read you what I wrote down today. Okay. First. It's funny how we've hired and fired executive producers, emeritus, through the history of this podcast. Well, no, emeritus means that you're always whether whether you're active or not, you're always there. Sure. But they've but here's the thing. Basically, they're all a lot. They're self-appointed because they just come. They just they just come in and they start making the show better. Yeah. And when one of them gets too busy to manage the program, the universe helps another one step up from the ether to take their place. Alex, Jameson, Nicholas. It's like magic, but only one hour of magic. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for helping us uh, turn this into something. Um, do, do, do you have a... I just remembered something that Dr. Hall sent us. Okay. Can you hold it? Yeah. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this Herman Melville. By all means. But what thinks Lazarus? Can he warm his blue hands by holding them up to the grand northern lights? Would not Lazarus rather be in Sumatra than here? Would he not far rather lay down, lay him down lengthwise along the length of the equator? Yea, ye gods, go down to the fiery pit itself in order to keep out of this frost? Now that Lazarus should lie stranded there on the curbstone before the door of dives, this is more wonderful than an iceberg should be moored to one of the Molokas, yet dives himself. He too lives like a czar in an ice palace made of frozen size. And being a president of a temperance society, he only drinks the tepid tears of orphans. <laughs> but no more of this blubbering now. We are going a-wailing. And there is plenty of that yet to come. Let us scrape the ice from our frosted feet. See what sort of a place this spouter may be. So apparently what Melville did was he wrote a, a whole book, like a poem, but it's prose, right? That's, Is that's, that kind of what happened? Yeah. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's some of the best prose you will ever read. I got I to get back. Amy and I were talking about, uh, like, if I actually had, if I wasn't doing the podcast and I wasn't parenting and coaching baseball, I would be reading more. Yeah. And uh, I know, I'm going to get back to the classics one of these days. It's coming up. Like the kids are growing up and I'm going to have time to read right here in the future. That is interesting about the producers though, right? They just come and go. They, they sure come, is. They just ebb and flow. Talk to me. Dr. Hall got at us. He did. 
I was going to segue from Wales to uh, my brother and Andrew Porter and a group of other people going to Yoroko for their Wednesday night omakase all-you-can-eat sushi okay. jam. I thought you would want to hear about it. And it was a very entertaining thing. That just happened recently? Last night, yeah. It was really nice. Porter made, you know, we've got a pretty good relationship with those guys. Yoroko, Yoroko listeners is a really super laid back, but very high end sushi place that's in the same building as the front page pub. And we've kind of created a relationship with them over the, over the years. Uh, Porter said, so Porter set, set us up a reservation for 10. Mm. To this, uh, this sit down omakase party. Omakase is, I think, just Japanese for surprise. I thought it was like chef's choice. Maybe so. Okay. I, I, uh, both of us could be entirely wrong. Yeah. And Nicholas, set us straight. <laughs> that's the, yeah, but the thing is, it's kind of whatever the chef wants to cook comes out or, you know, prepare comes out. It was amazing. It was really funny. Uh, is interesting to see. They kind of they kind of set it up in a buffet situation, which to me, like, I'm kind of clumsy and a little awkward. So, uh, having kind of tight quarters in a buffet situation was a little frightening for me. Uh, but I I I handled it, and uh, and uh, Take, uh, who is the man in charge, like the sushi genius behind the place was just back there cranking stuff out our friend uh nato was doing an awesome job of uh kind of waiting and making sure everybody had everything getting us sake but the stuff was just amazing did you drink some sake last night a little bit yeah oh man i love sake the hilarious thing though was i ended up so there were there were Ten of us from our party, and then another five. Uh, it's a total of fifteen. So there were five people that we didn't know, oh. and it just the way it worked out. I we didn't really know exactly what to expect. The way it worked out when we walked in, there were five tables of five people. Uh, so the the kind of random people ended up in one table, and then Porter and his wife and her and their three friends ended up in the middle table and then my table ended up being my brother and his kind of co-worker who do the real estate development thing and then michael michael and then two personal injury lawyers so it was me and four people who had all been to ut law school and not only been there but done very well and are not doing very well uh, that reminds so. me of uh, in the electric company that would be like one of these things is doing his own thing and it would be like three kids jumping rope and one kid upside down typing on a typewriter. That was me okay. upside down typing on the uh, typewriter. Uh-huh. Uh, fortunately, I, I I love lawyers. My whole my whole dad's side of the family are all lawyers, and I uh, you know I can pretty much hang with them. Uh, but it was funny to see how competitive they were. And how immediately, like, they just kind of figured out the best system. So I ended up all crammed all the way into the corner. So uh, Michael was sitting next to Nobody me. Nobody crams Shafee in a corner. I was crammed in the corner. And Michael was right next to me. And so if, if I wanted to get out and come back, Michael had to stand up, let me out. Uh, Alberto had to move out of the way. And it was just really complicated. Uh, but that ended up not mattering because we quickly, they, and the, and they had all, the lawyers had all bet between them and over under on total pieces of sushi that they were going to eat, <laughs> which I think they said at about 35. Wow. <laughs> and. 35. And. Wow. You know, there was, they, we kind of, at the very beginning, it kind of started out as, you know, the, the far table with the strange people went first and then Porter's table went. And then we went, and then that was kind of the first round. But then after that, it was kind of all bets are off. And the guys ended up starting this kind of 
situation where one of them, anytime anything new came out, one of them would just stand up with his plate, go get five of them, and then dis distribute it to the to the whole table. So it was, but there was kind of a thing where, you know, I was like, kind of make sure everybody gets everything, you know? So it was sort of like, we got, we got side-eyed. There was some, definitely some showdowns between these lawyer guys and some other people who came up from the other table about, you know, them like, them like taking fun of you. Like, no, oh, it's for the table. It's, uh, but just that some, sounds am thrilling. some amazing stuff. We had these oysters with roe on them that were, just some of the best, maybe the best oyster I've ever eaten. Uh, all sorts of, but even, you know, it being Yoroko, everything there was just high quality and perfectly executed. Like even the miso soup yeah. is the best miso soup you ever had. You know, the everything's just, just perfectly made. It was, it was so good. So much fun. We all lost count. Um, but there must have been, I think probably in the high 20s of, Total pieces of sushi eaten, pieces of raw fish eaten. I can do twenty five. It was, but thirty five. It was. I, I can tell I you, it like, depends on the size of the piece. And then it ended. They made this awesome. It was just the like kind of the steamed bun with a with a uh, with a strawberry in it. So good. That was the dessert. And I, you know, I I told everybody like, and you know, there was no sushi left. You know, it was all over. Um, it was an hour and a half affair. And I, you know, I was afterwards, I was telling Dick, I was like, you know, I think that if I had had one more piece of sushi, I would have been unpleasantly full. Like, and, but as it was, I just, I had the, I had the ideal amount, you know, I was, I was definitely like pushing the envelope, but if I ever get really wealthy, I'm going to spend my money on sushi rather than oh, submersible man. rides. Those guys, those personal injury lawyers obviously have more money than I do. Yeah. Um, and the real estate developers, believe it or not, have more money than I do too. For sure. And they were like, whoa, you got to do this every month. I was like, Once yeah, a month. That, that would sure. be brilliant. <laughs> um, but... But I know the, people, and the know, APM maybe. money is going to come rolling in anytime for the American, podcast. American our side American. hustle here, uh, but yeah, maybe for your birthday, I'll, I'll make something happen or something. We'll oh see. man, I, I I love I love sushi. I often do sushi on my birthday. It was it was a pretty amazing experience. Something special, yeah. <laughs> At the beginning of the last episode, you mentioned uh, my our 5K that I ran, and then we didn't talk about that at all. But I did run a 5K recently, and what I've learned is uh, I shouldn't do runs. I, I, I mean, it was it was great. It was actually the first like any kind of organized run I've ever done where you put on a number and do a do a run with humans. That was fun, but. Um, it was that was tough, yeah. The the I did the Maudie's Moonlight Margarita five k. No, it was actually it was great. Yeah, I read, like you did you say like it left you feeling really pumped up. I really felt good. great. Yeah. I wanted to podcast the next day from like a leftover runner's high. Um, I wish we could do like three or four a week. <laughs> I I do too. I wish my life was like this. Here's 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 what my <laughs> life would be like if I had that submersible money. I would um I'd get up and I'd do like a workout and I may have like locks for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then um then I'd play a little golf and then in the afternoon I would do some art and then in the evening I would do um a podcast. Um I mean that that's that's pretty much it. Golf and art, and either a podcast or I something with friends. You know, I yeah. would do something with friends in the evenings. Yeah, mine's pretty similar. I think I would be like Tai Chi. This is if independently wealthy. Tai Chi or Barton Springs in the morning, uh -huh. and maybe some tennis. I love playing tennis. Little tennis, yeah. And uh, then maybe I could have lunch with my niece and nephew. And then at their elementary school or whatever. Okay, yeah. And then uh, in this scenario, they're older, and you meet yeah. and have 
uh, a patisserie. And then, uh, and then definitely some, some writing or some guitar. Okay. You yeah. know, either one of those two passions. Well, you're going to play some guitar for us here in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let, this episode has gone off the rails with Shafi and I just <laughs> fantasizing about if we won the lottery or had gone to law school. We could just do sushi and a podcast. We could have dinner together every night. Um, sushi and a podcast. <laughs> I think that's our new podcast. Three nights a week we do sushi and a podcast. So I'm going to read a poem and we'll just uh, chat about that real quick. And then Shafi's going to do a live outro. Close out song's going to be closing, a live Closing yeah, song's going to be a live song. I'm going to try not to be like too unruly as the lone uh audience member you know because I mean, sometimes don't like, be don't be too ruly should either. i go should i go like woo, or like <laughs> Baba something like that get in the hole that's what they say at the <laughs> golf tournaments just like you know the u.s open which happened recently yeah it was on the west coast and that's a little different because the the like the leaders weren't teeing off to like five forty Central Standard Time. Yeah. And so it was finishing up at like ten o'clock. Yeah. And it was at ten o'clock, it's eight o'clock on the West Coast, right? And um the gallery was really drunk. <laughs> at the at the end of the last two rounds, like the yelling was pretty it was pretty unruly. So I am at Schaefer's house. Schaefer threw out a few poetry books, and I reached for a Summer Browning book. And I have chosen a poem. Well, I've chosen a poem to read, which I'm excited to read. But I was going to read another quick. There's some short poems in here. And I'm going to read another sh a quick short poem by Summer Browning from her Good Actors book. I love that. I love the cover. I love the, the book thought. I've been saying bad actors, and I love to just talk about good actors. Good actors. Yeah. So here we go. This poem doesn't seem to have a title, so I'm going to just launch right into it. If you tell me which Twilight Zone episode you remember best, I can tell you what your problem is. Number 12 looks just like you. I remember talking about this show with you. Not that, not that episode, but the show in general. Your problem is the gulf you perceive between beauty and truth causes you pain. Is there, are there other poems about Twilight? Oh, yeah, there's a bunch about Twilight Zone episodes. <laughs> right. If you tell me which Twilight Zone episode you remember best, I can tell you what your problem is. The one with the dolls slash people in the garbage can. Your problem is resolving what is possible with what is probable causes you to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> I love these. But I'm going to read a poem that does have a title. It's called Nightmare. And the, the, the light is fading. But luckily I've got, my, I've got my special glasses on. Here we go. That helps. Schaefer's using his phone a light to help me here. The poem is called Nightmare. I dreamed you were dead. It was V-horrible. They made me give a presentation in your stead at AWP. And I did, but hyperventilated the whole time. Or I didn't. I can't remember because I was blacked out with grief. I dreamed you were dead from a Subaru ramming itself into the ditch where you had camped. And when I woke up sweating, I heard two gunshots in the alley out back. I dreamed you were dead. And in my dread, I hugged Julia and said, but he is my oldest friend. I dreamed you were dead. And in the dream, you were my roommate. And while already dead, you and I woke up together. And I held you knowing you were a fantasy, telling you in your ear, I know you are already dead but this is how i get to hug you one last time i hoped you could stick around until georgia moved out 
I wondered if I should still mail the package to you, care of Jen and Jesse and PDX. I texted you. I hope you are not dead yet as of this text. And you replied, I am not, as far as I know, though I'd probably be the last to know. I, w- I want to clarify that my cadence was defined by the um, the formatting of the poem. Like, she broke up yeah. statements. And yeah. It was really fantastic. Line love, breaks. So I've never met Summer Browning, but I love her poetry. Line breaks. Roberta Wood makes a poem. poem. <sighs> Line breaks. That's our next podcast. Line breaks. Line, uh, line breaks with Maddie and Chafee. That was an appropriate poem, considering the discussion mm-hmm. of death that's gone on in this in this podcast. I just like would like to assure all of you, I, I. The loss of life is always tragic, and I definitely, at no point, would want to make light of what happened in that submersible. We're not uh, making light of the loss of life. We're making light of the obsession with the Titanic. What is our new? Uh, what is our new power out, Matthew? We're going to experiment with it. Maybe. Okay, we've got a new outro. We're going to try today, and it is this. But no more of this blubbering now. We are going away. Yeah, going. Wait, so you no more oh, of yeah. this. But no more of this blubbering now. We are going away. That's it. Well, my friends are gone and my hair is gray. I ache in the places where I used to play. And I'm crazy for love, but I'm not coming on. I'm just paying my rent every day in the Tower of Song. Well, I said to Hank Williams, how lonesome does it get? Hank Williams hasn't answered yet, but I hear him coughing all night long. A hundred floors above me in the Tower of Song. I was born like this, I had no choice. I was born with the gift of a golden voice. And 27 angels from the great beyond. They tied me to this table right here in the Tower of Song. So you can stick your little pins in that voodoo doll. I'm very sorry, baby, it doesn't look like me at all. I'm standing at the window where the light is strong. They won't let a woman kill you, not in the Tower of Song. (laughs) You say that I've grown bitter, but on this you may be sure. The rich have got their channels in the bedrooms of the poor. There's a mighty judgment coming, but I may be wrong. Do you hear some funny voices in the Tower of Song? See you standing on the other side. Don't know how the river got so wide. I love you, baby. Way back when And all the bridges are broken That we might have crossed I feel so close to everything we've lost We'll never, ever see it again So I'll bid you farewell Don't know when I'll be back They're moving us tomorrow To the tower down the track You'll hear from me, baby Long after I'm gone I'll be singing to you sweetly From a window in the Tower of Song Well, my friends are gone My hair is gray I ache in the places where I used to play And I'm crazy for love But I'm not coming on
I'm just paying my rent every day in the Tower of Song.